Welcome to Unchained, the radio program which addresses the challenges facing Christians today with short, pithy presentations, presenting a vigorous defense for Christianity's claim that the Holy Bible is God's inspired word. This series deconstructs the arguments of evolutionists, anti-theists, atheists, and other enemies of the Holy Bible. Here is your host, Pastor Rod Anderson. Hi, I'm Rod Anderson. Perhaps you may not know it, but Charles Darwin's grandfather believed in evolution. And from that, you can postulate that theory of evolution did not originate with Charles Darwin in the 1800s. I know. In fact, we can go back further than that. We can go back to the Greeks hundreds of years before the time of Christ who first espoused the view and asserted that animals came from plants and men evolved from fish, men such as Anaximander, Empedocles and Aristotle, but these views were not generally accepted. And the reason being that there was another competing theory that was even more popular than evolution called spontaneous generation. Spontaneous generation taught that worms and other insects would suddenly arise from mud and slime. Scientists, or naturalists as they were called in centuries past, argued that if this was the case for insects, then why not all creatures, including man? However, it was scientifically disproved from about the 15th century onward by Louis Pasteur and Francesco Reddy and other eminent scientists. It was Reddy who covered a piece of meat so that flies could not lay eggs on it and saw that the worms or maggots were no longer produced and spontaneous generation by that simple and singular experiment was proved false. Despite the proof, spontaneous generation was tenaciously embraced by many century, by many naturalists for hundreds of years after that event. In fact, it was Ernst Haeckel, a Prussian zoologist who died as recently as 1919, who said these incredible words. Spontaneous generation must be true, otherwise it would be necessary to believe in a creator. Why the resistance to let go of this failed hypothesis? Because it offered a world without the need of God. But finally, evolution was presented in a systematic study with the release of Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species by Natural Selection in 1859. And evolution, by its emphasis on random processing and natural selection, has encouraged the view of a world without God. Friedrich Nietzsche was a great advocate of a world without God and an ardent supporter of Darwinism. He enjoyed a brilliant reputation as a student and he became a professor in 1870 at Basel University. In his book, Joyful Wisdom, on page 275, he wrote this. The most important of more recent events that God is dead, that the belief in the Christian God has become unworthy of belief, already begins to cast its first shadows over Europe. Do not fail to understand the spirit behind such statements because they have nothing to do with true science but to be free of moral and ethical restraint. Probably one of the most of all, vocal of all evolutionary lobbyists is recently retired Richard Dawkins, a zoologist from Oxford. And in his defence of evolution's moral impact on society, he says this, What I care about is what is true. 
what is true about the universe. If it was true that evolution had adverse effects on religion and caused people to smash windows and rob old ladies, which it doesn't, by the way, but even if it did, that still wouldn't in any way affect its truth value. We've got to take the truth about the universe and the truth about the world separate from the moral and political consequences, whatever they may be. Dawkins says we have to separate truth from moral consequences no matter what the outcome. If it causes society to blossom and bloom, then all is well. But if it causes society to disintegrate, then so let it be, because we have to separate truth from moral consequences, according to Dawkins. The problem with evolutionary theory is the shrinking number of scientists who are willing to publicly support it, and for good reason. Let me give you some examples. There is no evidence from the fossil record that giraffes evolved. There are no short-necked, stubby-legged giraffe ancestors. They've always been long-necked giraffes. Giraffes have always needed extra-large hearts to pump blood all the way up to its head. But when the giraffe lowers its head to drink, the heart rate decreases and a series of valves close over in the neck, reducing the danger of the blood being forced to the brain and killing the animal immediately. Furthermore, at the base of the giraffe's brain is a net of spongy tissue, which acts as a cushion to reduce the impact of the blood pressure to its brain. Now, if evolution is correct, at what point in the evolutionary process do giraffes have the physical equipment and default mechanism as already described? Well, the simple answer is never. In other words, the giraffe's equipment had to be fully developed and operational immediately when giraffes came onto this world, and that highlights an intelligent designer. That's not evolution, that's creation. That's in the beginning God. Neither did the neck of the giraffe go longer by stretching for higher leaves. That assumption contradicts everything that we know from microbiologists and the unravelling of DNA over the last 50 or so years. In a book called The Twilight of Evolution, written by Henry Morris, published in 1963, it revealed that evolutionary theory, even back then, was in huge trouble and the problems had not gone away. Just in one discipline, the field of paleontology, the missing links are still missing and missing where they're most needed. For example, Nebraska man in 1922, a tooth was discovered in western Nebraska, which was first thought to bear the characteristics of both human and chimpanzee and was dubbed by evolutionists as Nebraska man. But since then, modern science has shown that it was the tooth of an extinct pig. And then there's Neanderthal Man, which was first discovered last century in the Neander Valley near Dusseldorf in Germany. He was classified as semi-subhuman. This was based on the evidence that seemed to show that it was crippled but once walked upright. However, modern science has proven these remains to be of an older man who suffered from arthritis with a bigger cranium than man has today. And then there's Java Man, initially discovered by Dutchman Eugene Dubot in 1891. All that was found of this claimed originator of humans was a skull cap, three teeth and a femur. But 
the femur was found 50 feet away from the original skull cape a full year later. For almost 30 years, Dubot downplayed the Wajak skulls, two undoubtedly human skulls being found very close together, and it was eventually decided that it was a fraud. It was assumed that when evolution became prominent in the 1800s, the missing links would be found. However, with over 100 years of fossicking, the missing links are still missing. Charles, Charles Darwin himself had some questions about the legitimacy of his own theory. Noted that not one change of species into another is on record. We cannot prove that a single species has changed. This one as well. To suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, or for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Wolfgang Smith. PhD, physicist and mathematician, has reluctantly admitted a growing number of respectable scientists are defecting from the evolutionist camp. Moreover, for the most part, these exports have ab- experts have abandoned Darwinism, not on the basis of religious faith or biblical persuasions, but on scientific grounds, and in some instances, regretfully. What did Smith admit? True science cannot support evolution. Even thoughtful people, even a thoughtful person wants to know the origin of life and how plants originated, how human beings came into existence. The Bible tells us an all-wise creator God spoke them into existence. Amazing design needs a designer. You cannot have order without intelligence. You cannot have symbiosis between flora and fauna without a corporeal God. If you want to know more about this very important subject, then go to YouTube, type in my name, and the title is Genesis 1 Trustworthy. Uh, furthermore, it is the Bible which reveals the personal loving God of creation in a wonderfully engaging way. And so therefore, I want you to have an understanding of what the Bible says by giving you a 25-part series of Bible reading guides called The Orchard Faith of Jesus Studies, which will see your knowledge and understanding of God and His Word grow exponentially in no time at all. And all you have to do to receive these free gifts is send me an email with your name, postal address and phone number 2, info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au. That is info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au or go to our website, theorchardmelbourne.org.au and go to the tab mark, contact us, follow the prompts, including the name of the uh, study guides you're requesting and they're the Orchard Face series and you will have them in no time at all. Well, our time has run out for now, but I look forward to being with you next time. Remember, the truth has nothing to fear from investigation. I'm Rod Anderson. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Unchained. We look forward to your company here next time on 3ABN Australia Radio as we continue this series with Pastor Rod Anderson. Let's listen to a song by the Steve Petit evangelistic team called Creator of It All. 
That was the Heritage Singers with that beautiful song, What Will You Do For Jesus? 